Hey guys, on today's pod I had on Matthew Stocko. Matt came on to talk about the Toronto Raptors' recent struggles of late, DeLon Wright being removed from the rotation, Greg Monroe still being in the rotation, and whether the Raptors are going to do anything at the trade deadline. It's been a while since me and Matt talked, so overall I thought the pod went really well, and hope you guys enjoy. It's snowing, and it's it, – it, it, I know you're not in Canada, but be happy that you're not in Canada because it's cold and it's snowing all the time. It, uh, it's not too bad here yet. It's about 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which I think is about negative 5 for you guys. So, Yeah, yeah I, I believe that's correct. And, uh, yeah, it's like negative 14, 15 here right now. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny because it's been snowing on and off, right? And when you – and when you don't shovel the snow right away because you're gone for the day or whatever, it just piles up and becomes a lot of ice. So I'm trying to, like, pick through the ice in between the snowfalls and everything. So we're getting there, but uh, it is just it is just cold. And, I mean, you know, I know everybody's freaking out about Kawhi Leonard in the cold, but um, like he says, like, just go from building to building. It's no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now that he buys his house in San Diego, he's obviously destined to leave. Which is, uh. It's so funny, man. When I saw when I saw that, uh, like like I, I, I like the way I saw it was this, like people like just on Twitter like freaking out about, oh no, he bought a house and 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 it's thirteen. It was like a thirteen million dollar house or something too. And it was just like I was just like, oh god, he's leaving. And then because everybody was acting like he was leaving, and then I found out where it was, and I was like, oh okay. So yeah, I don't think he's he's doing that. And I saw a hilarious uh, a hilarious picture that somebody posted of like the Los Angeles Clippers like on a car, and then like the Staples Center was on top of the car, and it was headed towards San Diego. So I just thought that that was funny too. Yeah, I don't think it's a non-issue. Yeah, for those who don't know, the Southern California home that Kawhi Leonard bought is in San Diego, not in California or not in Los Angeles. It's about you know, depending LA traffic so bad that it, times vary in driving terms there, but it's between two to three hours depending on the time of day that you leave. So it's not like he's going to live there in season anyways. And I don't know how to break this to people, but. During the offseason, Kawhi Leonard's home city is not going to be Toronto regardless. So this, to me, seems no matter where he goes, no matter where he plays, he was going to buy a house in San Diego. Yeah, and I mean, he still owns a house in Toronto, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's... It's not like it's not like he sold his house in Toronto and 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 is in San Diego, you know? Like Right. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. Millionaires buy lots of houses. So <laughs> and he's a multi-multi-millionaire. So if I had a 100 million dollar contract coming up, I would buy a home in Southern California regardless of where I was playing because, you know, Southern California is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Like it like I mean, he's from San Diego. He went to San Diego State. He's he's there. It's it's going to be a like like it, it doesn't matter. I, I I mean, I'm still truly of the opinion that I don't think he has any idea what he's going to do yet, and he's not really focused on it. That's my opinion on the Kawhi Leonard thing. Yeah, I, I would probably lean towards he's leaving, but I this doesn't change my opinion. You know what I mean? It was I thought it was probably a sixty six percent chance he leaves, thirty three stays before, and I think that same percentage afterwards. Yeah, and, and and you know, I think the thing is, is that like even if he he does leave, I'll be okay with it. And I think the reason why is because DeRozan clearly wasn't going to get us there, and we got out from underneath his money, which we've spoken about before. And I mean, Kawhi's been playing and he's been invested in the team and you know now he's sitting on the bench and he's he, he's you know he's in with his teammates right and 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 they have and they have some work to do together which we'll get into right to to try to build up some chemistry or to work within the flow of the offense a little bit better but i mean he's there and he's playing so i mean what else could you really ask for really 
Sure, yeah. If it if he does end up leaving, then at least you took the swing and missed rather than staying capped out at your current uh, kind of your current plateau. I think that team that lost to the Cavaliers last season was pretty obviously destined to be less than a finals contender. So at least you took the chance with Kawhi, even if it doesn't work out in your favor. One thing that will be heavily influenced on his decision to stay is the success of the Raptors. And kind of just to bring us to that point, Matt, what have you seen over the past, you know, it's been a while since we talked, probably a month. What have you seen over the past month from Toronto? Have you been encouraged, discouraged as kind of from one month ago? You know what? My expectations have been a little tempered, I would say, recently. So definitely leaning a little bit more to the disappointed side because, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at the recent results, right? And, um the wins the the wins necessarily haven't been that 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 impressive over the last little while um and some of the losses have been really bad right like the um uh i'm sorry i'm trying to find where like 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 the bucks like the spurs loss and the spurs loss was eh, right like that was really bad but then they came back and had those two those bucks pacer wins which were great but then i mean you're only beating the hawks by three a nice win over the the Nets, which I think since that win, the Nets have just been you know playing really well, but really really good basketball. You know, a two point win over the Wizards, um, the loss to the Celtics, another two point win only over the Suns, right? And then a nice win over the Grizzlies and, and Kings, but then lost to the Pacers and lost in bad. I mean, I mean, uh, I would still consider that Rockets loss a bad loss, even though they 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 were very impressive down the down the very late stretch there, but. It's like they 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 really shit the bed in the in the first quarter there, and that's not necessarily good, right? So I think it's well, obviously we're recording this before the the Mavericks game today, which hopefully will be a win. Um, but I think a few days off, um, hopefully they t- actually take Monday off, two days of practice at, at home, and then uh, take on the Bucks on Thursday. I think that Bucks game is going to be very indicative of me for for me of where they're headed as a team. I think. Yeah, the, you know, one thing that I've kind of been stressing on that I don't see mirrored around the rest of Raptors, at least Raptors Twitter, and from what I read and from what I hear, is that this team's net rating has not been good this season. And yeah, they've been picking up a lot of close wins, but their net rating is 4.9, which is it's sixth in the NBA. I don't want to sound like a crisis, but it's lower than Milwaukee, it's lower than Boston, and it's lower than Indiana. So you're fourth in the East in net rating, which we know is more predictive of the future than wins are. So that's something that's been concerning me all season. This team has been playing good when they needed to, but hasn't necessarily taken care of games that they should have in a lot of times. And for me, the thing that's been most discouraging about this team is I thought as they got healthy, the bench would start to find its way. It, It doesn't seem like it has at this point. It feels like Nurse has found something a little bit with keeping either Kyle or Pascal with the bench unit and helping them out. But it still feels to me you have a lot of players on this team who are on the bench who might give you a solid performance and who might not. You don't really have seven players that you can rely on right now. And really, outside of the starting five, who can you rely on night in, night out to give you a solid performance? Maybe JV, but Fred hasn't been the same player this year consistency-wise. Delon Wright, we'll talk about more, but he hasn't been the same guy. Norman Powell, I still don't trust in a big-time situation, and C.J. Miles has obviously been the one who struggled the most. Uh, There's a lot of things about this team that worry me in terms of just having reliable players that you can go to consistently. Yeah, yeah, I would would agree with that. I mean, I I think my... My opinion of Norman Powell is changing slightly. I mean, I think I need another month to really like make an opinion of whether he he can be relied upon again. Um, it, he, you know, he could be taking advantage of a situation of that teams just aren't planning around him as much, and they've kind of forgotten about him a little bit. I know they play each other all the time and they know each other's games, but I mean, you never know. Um, they could just be so focused on Kawhi and Siakam and and, and Lowry and stuff. But I think that um, I agree with you. Fred has uh, Fred has been good in stretches but it's been up and down cj miles is trying to climb himself out of a big big hole <laughs> and uh and uh, I, I i mean i mean i just don't know if i can rely on him full time all the time and uh and uh, jv i still think is going to be a big factor for this team because there are just some teams where they have that big 
guy, right? That J, that, that that JV is actually really like really good against uh, defending against, and I think that that that's going to help them. But it's not enough, right? Like like I think in the playoffs you need at least seven to eight guys that you can rely on independently of an, of anything, right? It's almost like having. Uh, eight starters in many ways where they can or they can swap in and i mean even the starters have some chemistry issues as we saw in the houston rockets game that need to be sorted out right like lowry and Kawhi just still don't look comfortable on the uh on the floor and and i mean some of that could be due to injury they really have not played that many games together i'm not sure exactly how many they played but there's there's room for improvement um for sure even from the even from the starting a starter's perspective yeah, that's obviously something that has been a big storyline for Toronto this season is the play of Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard together. And I went into it a little bit with the post game for the Houston Rockets and that whenever Kyle and Kawhi are on the court together, Kyle Lowry shooting, you know, about two-thirds of the shot as he normally does or two-thirds of the shot when Kawhi's off the floor. And your usage is going to lower when another superstar is on the court. That's just the way it works. However, that kind of drastic change in overall shot attempts is really discouraging and just when you watch them together they don't look comfortable together that's something I'm confident will start to improve with as we kind of move along in the season but it is something at least that we need to keep an eye out for over the next couple games to see you know how well do these guys games match together do you think that they're compatible with each other because I, I i like they're just their games like in like you know like i think they are and i think they can be i just think it like it, it really does look and feel like it's just something that needs a little bit more time to marinate to me yeah um i do think that kyle has been so used to playing with people who give the ball up very quickly and demar Derozan, you know for all his flaws was a very skilled passer and Kawhi just he's not that great of a passer. He doesn't play make for others. He's never averaged more than four assists in his career. I think that their games in theory should be compatible, but I could also see just as much as Kyle gives the ball and gets it back and is very into moving the ball around, I think you haven't seen him once he gives it up, he hasn't gotten it back. So I think a lot of Kyle's decreased shot attempts come from giving up the ball early and expectations, you know, I'm going to continue to move and get behind the line and then him never touching it again. Yeah, yeah, and and I've definitely seen a lot of that too where, you know, Kyle will actually be in great positions to take an open shot or continue to swing the ball and it just and it just doesn't happen and it, it, you know, it's interesting because Kawhi is such a good one-on-one player too, but I feel that if hit with a little bit even just a little bit more movement could really make a, a huge difference in terms of easy shots for um the team. And then I mean, and then I mean, you know, when there is an ISO situation, right? Like for Kawhi, like like even at the end of that Houston game, right? Like, I mean, he didn't take a very good shot, right? And there wasn't much time to take a good shot, but you know, if you haven't done it a billion times before with, throughout the game, then it, it, uh, shots will come easier throughout it. Yeah, I think one thing that I'd like to see a little bit more is a little three-one pick and roll where Kawhi's the guy handling the ball and Kyle Lowry's the one setting the screen just yeah. due to the fact that Kyle sets good screens for someone his size and his shooting ability is so, you know, so he's able to get that shot off so quickly that he's an excellent screener. You see it happen with Pascal Siakam a lot, but for some reason they haven't been as, you know, willing to do that with Kawhi, and I'm not totally sure on the reasoning. I'm sure Nick Nurse has some reasoning, but I'm not sure what they what that is yet. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Kyle and setting screens. Um, one thing that I actually have, and this is on a completely different subject, but one thing that I haven't really been a fan of necessarily is the switch. Kyle Lowry over the last like maybe five or six games has been really willing to to switch onto the biggest man on the floor, and teams seem to be taking advantage of it a little bit. And for me, for me, I'd like to see you know Ibaka or Siakam kind of fight through that screen a little bit more because I've been seeing a lot of situations where. Um, the big uh, whoever the biggest who screens Lowry and Lowry switches on to him ducks right into the post and then from there uh, when when that big man receives the ball back the whole defense has to collapse to help Lowry or else it's just going to be an easy two but then that staggers the defense and then the offense is able to get a good shot so like I while I appreciate Lowry's um, willingness to do it I do think that the team that that's one thing on defense that the team could take a look at and the defense necessarily hasn't been bad it just you know there's there's little switches that they can do but i i've been appreciating the switches onto the 
into the zone and trying to switch it up and and that's been working but that's just one thing on defense especially with Kyle Lowry that's been bothering me a little bit yeah they've been over reliant to switch and that's something that I've kind of been hitting on all season that I thought really cost us in the end in the Anna game you saw they set a screen um and Kyle switched on to Thaddeus Young as a result Thaddeus got a pretty open mid-range turnaround short corner jumper and that was the two points that kind of sealed the game so that's something where you just need to fight a little bit harder to get through the screen. A lot of times I think it's laziness that it's if you've ever played basketball, you know it's easier to switch. You don't have to try to get op- up over yeah. the top of the screen. And for Toronto in many ways last season, they were uh, kind of more more needing to prove themselves during the regular season. I think this team has less urgency now, and as a result you've seen more switching. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it's just – I, I guess it's just one of those things where I try not to be like that Toronto fan that like you know expects them to be playing full playoff basketball in the, in, in January. But I, I mean, I think I, I, you know the Indiana game was very indicative of some of the problems with that team with, with the team, right? Like I think like a lot of their a lot of their flaws came out on defense and on offense, especially especially near the end of the game there when the offense stagnated and when it was the offense at its best when the ball was moving and when things were um, really like really humming along on the offensive end, they were able to really take advantage of the Pacers easily, especially without Oladipo there. And, uh, and uh, however, I do think it's, uh, uh, it's good. It's good either way for the Raptors to show Kawhi that, you know, they're taking care of his body because that Oladipo injury, I mean, you could just chalk it up to overworking and, and, uh, and everything. But I think that it shows that the, Indiana or the that the Raptors have some flaws on the offensive end out of uh, out of all things which is crazy to me uh, at the beginning of the season I thought that that would have been the the easier of the two but it's it, it, the, the, there's just lots of room for improvement for me yeah so the offense is seventh ranked in the NBA the defense is ninth so they're you know a yeah. pretty balanced team in regards to that and they're one of only a couple teams the Milwaukee Bucks are the most notable that are in the top 10 in both offense and in defense. So that's good. I'm not overly discouraged. I don't want this to sound like, you know, the sky is falling pot. It's just a no. couple things that you've seen that start to kind of wear on you as we get into February and the dog days of February with this team. One thing that could help this team is could help a lot of teams is a trade to kind of strengthen either the end of the bench or if, you know, even more unlikely something happens with the starting unit. Matt, do you think – that this team makes a deal at the deadline? If so, what kind of trade do you think they make? I, you know, if you would have asked me around Christmas time or, or even at the beginning of the new year, um, I would have been like, yeah, like hundred percent. But I think that the tradable assets on the team right now are very like, like not very valuable. Right. So they're either going to have to trade a lot of those assets to, get not much back in return um i would i mean i mean i would love to see a Masai magic trade where or not Masai magic johnson trade but Masai like magical trade where he he turns he turns nothing into something great but i i mean i mean like Masai even Masai said that several times that it's hard to do that in the middle of the season right because assets might be a little overvalued especially during that time period so I mean, if I if I'm a guessing man, I feel like they might actually go the buyout market and, and and find somebody there. But what I think they're looking for in a player is is more of a veteran presence, somebody who's who's calm and steady, who can shoot the three. Um, I think that three point shooting has still been their uh, big Achilles heel throughout the season. They just can't hit them with enough consistency outside of uh, Danny Green against the Memphis Grizzlies, where you know they're 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 even finding good shots right like i see so many bricked open threes it's indicative of a team that just isn't good enough shooting the three and wants to shoot the three and offense is built around shooting that three-pointer so if we can find a veteran who can shoot the three which is i know what everybody wants for a good price or on the buyout market then um it will be good and i think the raptors chances are high of doing that because a veteran three-point shooter will know that they if they come to the Raptors they're going to play because they can hit that three and that's something that the Raptors want. See, I don't I disagree a little bit. I think okay. if you're a veteran three-point shooter, why am I going to the Toronto Raptors who have lots of wings? Why don't I go to the Philadelphia 76ers who are pretty oh, close right. to as talented and 
you know, you think Toronto needs shooting, Philadelphia needs shooting way more. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. way more roster spots open. That, that team's way more shallow to me. And, you know, there's a lot of downsides to building your team shallow. But one of the upsides is you don't have to build your team in, you know, in July because every December there's always – or not December, I'm sorry. Every February there's always a couple guys on the buyout market mm-hmm. who are available to play in the playoffs. So if you're Philadelphia, I think they kind of get first call to anybody. And for teams like Toronto and Boston who have just a host of bodies that they can throw into the wing positions – at some way that hurts them on the buyout market because if you're a talented three-point shooter, your chances of playing for Toronto or for Boston are less than playing for Philadelphia. And see, I mean, I mean that's completely true. Um, uh, it's, it, it, it's it, I, I, I guess I take it. I guess I take too much of a fan approach on that one. But yeah, um, Philly, Philly's in desperate need of three-point shooting. I mean, who do you think? Um, who do you think? is going to be the most like active out of the top four teams there or top five teams. Like, 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 do you think Boston is going to make a big move or do you think it's, it, it's the Raptors making smaller moves or Philly, Philly trying to make a small move as well? I think it's going to be really stable at the top. There's so many teams in the West right now that are buyers rather than sellers. Uh, I don't, I don't think Boston makes a move at all. Um, yeah. I maybe that maybe they trade Yabu Sele or uh, semi-ogile in order to get under the tax, but I don't think they add many pieces. Milwaukee, to me, has already made their move when they added George Hill, and I know that that was mostly for contract reasons as opposed to others. However, he at least gives them an able body as opposed to Matthew Delvadova. Uh, no disrespect to Delhi. But <laughs> I think the 76ers are the team that, to me, kind of jumps off the page, and I thought the Pacers or someone who else who can make a move, but obviously now matters are complicated with them. But if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm, you know, you already made the move to go for Jimmy Butler. You're already kind of in in for contention now. I think if you're them, you'd be really foolish to at least not explore the trade market for some kind of shooter that you can pair there. And you, it's it's a little difficult, but... I think that there are options that they can get either through the buyout market or, you know, throwing Markel Fultz in a trade with some future assets because they also are one of the few teams who have future picks and assets to trade because they have Zaire Smith who they could trade throw into any deal. They have that Miami pick coming up as well as all their own picks. I think right. the 76ers are the most likely to make a move, which is really frightening because right now they don't scare me much, but if you add two more shooters on that team, then they start to get scary. Yeah, yeah. Like I think if it, – if they can just clear any sort of space for Simmons and Embiid, especially for Simmons, then that's when that team becomes a little a little bit scarier. Because when Jay, like for example, when JJ Redick is having a good game, like I think that the Seventy Sixers just play so much better because the, the spacing on the floor is so much better. Um, but who do you think on going back to the Raptors? Who do you think is? I mean, I didn't even ask you. Like, do you think they're going to make a trade? Actually, didn't ask you that. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think there's a chance they get a shooter somewhere around here, um, mm-hmm. but I I don't think so. I think instead they're just going to try to rely on CJ Miles coming back from the dead here, and he started to show signs of life. But like you mentioned, a lot of the team's assets you're selling low on, so right. I don't want to trade OG Ananobi right now, even though he makes logical sense to move as an asset because he's played poorly so far this season. I don't want to move. Delon Wright right now, even though he makes sense to move on from in the right situation because he's playing so poorly right now. And when these guys tank their trade value, now is not the time you want to deal them. You want to deal them, obviously, when they're playing better. I think, you know, if I had to guess on who is most likely to get dealt, I still think it's a C.J. Miles-Delon Wright combination. If I had to guess on who I would like to deal, I guess that's not a guess. If I had to say who I would like to deal... I think now is the time to kind of sell high on Norman Powell as he's playing better as of late, but I still don't trust him and think that that contract, if you can get out for it for relatively neutral value, is a good good idea right now. Yeah, because what, what is it? After this season, like all of their money, there is no money tied up in any players except for um, JV. Is it JV and Norman Powell right now? It's, is that what it is? For like past after, 2020? Yeah, past 2020. No, JV's off as well. It's just Norman oh, J- Powell. Right, yeah. So, 
um, yeah, I could see, I could see why we would want to get out of that contract for sure. Um, do you think it's just, it, it's just tough to see what you would get back in return for a CJ miles to Wright trade without including a pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that you can get a decent amount. I, Delon Wright's values better still. I think than many people give it credit for at this time. He's on a low contract. He's in the area of restricted free agency that I don't think you're going to be blown away by an offer because nobody wants to tie their cap up to offer someone like DeLon Wright. He's not, he's he's a good player, but he's not someone that you want to tie your cap up and you have other plans going on. So I think his next contract will also be a bargain. You get him through his prime on his next contract. I think that he's a much more you know viable option than many people think. And C.J. Miles has played good his whole career. He's had one bad season. I don't think he's quite the negative asset as everybody else makes him out to be. You know, I did my trade value uh, rankings here, and I was very seriously considering putting JV below CJ Miles because you know, 17 million as opposed to 8 million. CJ Miles is a wing; the league needs wings. And honestly, if I look back at it, it's something I regret. I think that moving on from CJ is moving on is easier than moving on from JV. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that too because just, I mean, just JV's market is so small, right? Like, there's not many teams that are hurting for big guys yeah yeah <laughs> like, no i mean if and if you are why don't i just go get the better version of him in nikola vucevic yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. who is who is who is awesome on my uh, fantasy team but <laughs> dominant this year i, I yes. do want to go back to philly i this is probably throwing the pot off track but my favorite trade that i'd like to throw out is i love okay. the wilson chandler markel fultz mike muscala and zaire smith maybe you have to throw in your own pick for Otto porter jr Wow. I, I think that, to me, would be the deal I would make if I'm Philadelphia because that's just the good version of Wilson Chandler. You get a fender, a shooter, and that starting – I mean, you'd be you'd be shallow, but none of those guys are helping you this season really anyways besides Chandler, who you're replacing. So that, to me, is kind of the deal that I would like to see this – well, I wouldn't like to see it from a Raptors perspective, but I think it's a deal that makes the most sense. Yeah, and I think that that, you know, that also makes at least Philly's starting – unit or unit a little bit better defensively too I, I like Otto Porter's defense as well and and I think that yeah like like he would just fit in very nicely with that team yeah yeah so but to to go back to Toronto I the problem with Toronto I think is at the trade deadline what you're what you're looking to add is pieces around pieces around the margin so a shooter here a rebounder there something like that the the problem is the Toronto's biggest weakness to me is at the top of the roster, top-end talent. I don't think that other than Kawhi with Kyle Lowry's play of late, you don't have kind of the multiple guys at the top of the roster like Boston does and or right. more like Philly does where they have, you know, three guys who are in the top 15 or top 20 of the NBA. I just – I don't think Toronto has that right now. And that's – to me, that's not someone that you can get at the deadline. So, you know, you're kind of in a catch-22 there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there was glimmers of hope even from me on this podcast about Bradley Beal, but he's been taken off the market. So, um, and obviously Washington would do that um, just because of his play of late. And and I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they feel like they can get out of that John Wall contract. Who knows? I mean, but <laughs> I mean, I think it's impossible too. But um, yeah, I think I think I think I agree with you, right? Like you would pull a trade for Bradley Beal if you could because that would add another top end talent to your team but yeah like like it it feels like any sort of trade just plugs a hole for the Raptors but just doesn't address their need for a little bit more offensive sure like surefire offensive firepower in many ways yeah and I, I think the two guys that you do see available now is one uh Marcus All and to me he doesn't move the needle enough from a Raptors perspective but two more importantly is Mike Conley has the ability to come in and really help a team, unfortunately, for Toronto that just happens to be in an area where they don't need They don't need Mike Conley. So, I mean, it, it's really difficult if you're Utah or someone like that. Yeah, you have your point guard you can chase after. But if you're Toronto, there's just not many options out there to fix the needs that you have. Yeah, and that's what I think is, is going to be tough tough about it too. So, I mean – Maybe it's it's grab a grab a veteran if you can and and hopefully build some chemistry with the team that you have because I mean if the team is 
built together and locked in defensively, it can be a good team and it can go far. And I mean, it still could make the Eastern Conference Finals, but there just needs to be a little bit more space. Maybe we can get Thon Maker and he can shoot threes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I this team still has Finals aspirations, and I think yes, yeah. is right up there with anyone else in terms of Finals probability. It it's not all falling together. It's not all falling apart, and you know. As they get more games together, maybe they start to gel, and that's perhaps it's just as impactful as having a player at the trade deadline is just getting your guys healthy and finally getting a chance to play all together this season. When you talk about the other top teams in the East, Boston's been pretty healthy all season. Indiana, prior to the Oladipo injury, has been healthy all season. Milwaukee has been healthy all season. Toronto has really been the only one of those guys who's been banged up, and Philly obviously has a different set of circumstances with the Jimmy Butler trade. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, I still think the uh, the Raptors' current record is still very impressive, despite all the injuries, right? Despite despite Kawhi not playing thirty percent of the games, um, all like 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 there's been many factors. Actually, it might not be thirty percent of the games. So it might be a little high, but. Um, like despite all of that, they're still they're still finding ways to win. They're still grinding out some wins through some injuries, and I'm just hoping to see a nice stretch here uh, because I don't I don't believe they have a back to back for a little while. Um, and they played they a could, lot of games so far too. Is another thing. they have so they have. that's something that will help them from a rest perspective down the stretch as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, they play today here on Sunday against the, the Denver Nuggets or the uh, Denver Nuggets, geez, Dallas Mavericks, and uh, and then they don't play again until Thursday. Like that, that feels like an eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, and I mean, I think I think one of the most positives out of the season has been um, just for just for going forward, regardless of what happens, has been Kawhi's praise of the Raptors' medical staff. Um, we all know uh, that it is like one of the like top top class in, in all of sports there and uh i mean i mean you can even see it when oladipo got injured and uh the raptors medical staff was out there they threw a threw a towel he threw a towel over oladipo's knee there um you know he's uh, scott mccullough there is just a really great partner to have and and, and i'm glad to hear that no, no matter what happens that Kawhi has been really impressed with the raptors medical staff and i think it bodes well for the raptors and signaling to players that hey we care about your health health we have we we invest in the right staff to have great uh, to have great healthy players and i mean i mean look at the raptors track record right like besides this year where it's been a you know some things you can't you can't control like draymond green absolutely destroying jv's hand um like DeRozan has always been very a very healthy player for example right so yeah yeah i agree with you um in that yeah. front let's talk a little bit um the houston game delon right didn't get into the game at all I don't want to really speak on the game itself because, to me, it was just kind of a sloppy game that didn't matter. More just the overall theory of DeLon Wright not getting any minutes. In his post-game interview, Nick Nurse said that nobody would make mention of it if the Raptors had won, which I just vehemently disagree with. I That's poor logic. If one of your most important players didn't receive any minutes, yeah, he's going to... You know, that's going to raise questions. So that was really weird to me that, one, he even made that comment, and two, I just don't think it's true. What I would say is DeLon Wright's been struggling. Matt, do you think, you know, it was kind of – it makes sense to pull him at this time, or would you preach even more patience? Uh, I, for me, I feel, like, I feel like I would go with patience because – the upside of DeLon Wright in, in in many ways is better than Fred, and the reason why is because I feel like on the defensive end he's just a little bit longer, a little bit length, uh, lankier that he can he can really like 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 he has the physical ability to play some good defense. He just has never fully realized that potential, and sometimes Fred does get caught in situations where he uh, you know is short or a little slow. And um, I mean, for for me, Fred of course has hit some big threes, right, and can be relied on in situations to hit those big threes, which is great. But for me, I feel like I feel like the Raptors love to run a lot of two point guard sets anyway. To have that third point guard humming along, especially against a team like the Rockets, where you know you can get you can get really out heighted quickly when you have Lowry and uh, Fred on the floor that just to have a little bit more size can can really help you and I I mean I mean I know it's not hitting the three very well I know that he's kind of been an offensive negative um, but 
uh, to just fully put him out of the lineup. Uh, hopefully, it was just sending him a message that, like, hey, dude, you got to start playing better. Yeah, I, to me, DeLon Wright's too valuable of an asset to not find yeah. the rotation on a consistent basis. And I don't know, maybe it was to send a message. Maybe it was just, you know, we have a lot of guys right now. We have 11 players on this team who legitimately re- need rotation time and with JV out maybe that number's only 10 however when you talk about wings and forwards and guards Toronto has a lot and you know DeLon hasn't been playing up to his capabilities with that being said he's too important of a pe- too important of a piece for this team moving forward that to me he has to be on the floor when at some point during the game and I think he's someone who's kind of struggled with lower minute totals in the same way that Norman Powell did last season where it starts to get into your confidence and you're worried about when am I going to get pulled if I make this mistake. And you've seen that with DeLon Wright being very hesitant so far this season. If anything, I think a increase in minutes could help him out. But I understand giving an increase in minutes to him when you have so many other different options is difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially as the Raptors struggle to find offensive rhythm without Kawhi or Lowry on the floor, right? And trying to keep Lowry and Kawhi together as much as they can so that they can build their chemistry as well, right? Like, like their needs... I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but when I'm watching a game and Lowry and Kawhi aren't, aren't in there, I get very nervous, right? And, um, and, uh, to to give Stallone some some run down the stretch to see if he can truly, you know, guide this second unit through 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 some hard stretches and really find some offensive rhythm is good because I feel like Delon is like Delon is at his best when he's um, when he's active right on the offensive end and he's cutting and and. And, and moving the ball and pushing the ball through the through right when he's at his worst is when he's stagnant uh hanging out hanging out on the three-point line by the wings and jacking threes so um i just think for delon he needs to really look at where he's most valuable because on the defensive end on the defensive end i find he's okay like he's not like a net negative but it's it, it's really on offense where he can in change up his game a little bit change up his approach a little bit maybe his thinking and uh and and i feel like he would be a lot more valuable of a piece yeah i totally agree in that respect he has these flashes you see from him where it's like oh wow there's a really good what a offensive move, right? player yeah he has he has it once yeah. a game it's like wow what where he'll do these kind of one-handed fillet finishes and all these different things and he's a talented player but it just hasn't seemed to totally click for him, and he's at the point, you know, he's an older player than a lot of people like to think. It's him and Pascal Siakam is another one who's much older than people realize. Um, but he's at the point now where you you wonder if it will ever... I certainly don't think he will ever be a starter quality player in this league, but he obviously has the ability to be a rotation quality player because he was one last season. It's something I don't want to get... Maybe I guess we don't talk, need to talk about too much today because we'll see more if he's moving in the rotation forward, perhaps it was just a one-game blip, but it's definitely something that I, you know, I'm going to be watching for in this upcoming game as well as the next couple of games. How many minutes he receives and kind of when those minutes come. Yeah, yeah, um, and I hope it's I hope it's more like I think today's game is a perfect is a perfect game for him to try to to try to get some run in and prove that he can. Um, you know, run with this team and really do well. So, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm cheering for him because I think that I think that a healthy DeLon Wright would really, really just help this team be a lot better. Yeah, and another thing I want to talk to you about, just the last thing here, is the yeah. play of Greg Monroe for the Toronto Raptors so far this season. I've been of the opinion, you know, once the buyout market happens, if I'm Toronto, I would look to add a different third center and perhaps I need to do it before the trade deadline so you can trade Monroe to a team. I think someone would still kind of want his veteran presence and at least trade him with cash so you don't have him counting against the tax. To me, Greg Monroe's proven that he can't play even minimal minutes with JV out. He is a defensive disaster. The team is worse on the court with him. I would like to see a third center who kind of fills in where JV doesn't, and that way he's you know a little more mobile, a little more able to play against the Bostons and the Milwaukee's of the league because, you know, JV's really shown ability to match up on that end. 
So, I guess, Matt, do you think Greg Monroe's a good enough third center and I'm kind of over-projecting the need of how important a third center is? Or what are your thoughts? Or maybe yeah, you think I, Greg Monroe's better than I do. But I, <laughs> I just have been very disappointed in his play. I just, perhaps to give the fans a little bit of context of why I'm so disappointed. So, according to Cleaning the Glass stats, Greg Monroe is in the 82nd percentile of usage for big men. So that means he's using the ball quite a bit, a lot of shots. His points per shot attempt is in the bottom 20th percentile. His assist percentage is in the bottom 12th percentile, meaning he only assists on 5.4% of the assists while he's on the court. His assist-to-usage ratio is in the bottom 2nd percentile, and his turnover percentage is in the bottom 20th percentile as well. He's been a huge negative in, on the offensive end of the floor. And we can talk about his points, that's fine. He's scoring a lot of points because he's basically become black hole and refusing to pass the ball out of the post. He's not scoring efficiently, and I don't think you could find anyone who argues he's a positive on the defensive end. So after my long ramble of Greg Monroe, Matt, what are your thoughts? <laughs> so my thoughts are that this team is one that wants to, at least in theory, prioritize speed, pushing the ball, being mobile, um, switching everything, right? How can you do that if your if your backup centers are both more more slow and bigger, right? I I I agree with you that we almost need like a just mobile defender who who can move and and get and get easy dunks, right? Like it's more so on the defensive end where 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 we really need him because on the offensive end we just kind of need him to set screens, roll to the basket correctly, and 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 and, and yeah, like it's driving me a little nuts that Monroe will continue to get the ball in the post, dribble, 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 and and find like and, and the other thing that that does right is that it allows the defense to reset itself. And um, and everybody's able to find everybody. And then if Monroe does pass it out because he wasn't able to make a move, there's maybe 10 seconds on the shot clock. And then it's just a screen for Kyle or Kawhi or Siakam and, and let's see what happens. Right. But that's not good offense. That's not that's not good um, from that perspective. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think we do need to make some sort of trade to or some sort of move to get out from from the reliance on Monroe because um you know I would I, I would disagree with the Raptors broadcasters in the sense that you know uh he's he's such a positive with JV out and he's done such a great job because he really hasn't done that great of a job um and uh, I would prefer you know obviously not to the same skill level but like someone like a like I was just thinking of someone like a Kenneth Fareed or someone who just brings a lot of energy to the floor that can uh be mobile on the defensive end and offensive end and uh doesn't need to command the ball so much to to be effective yeah you know someone I follow on Twitter and I'm not gonna say who because I like the person I thought but they put you know early in the season Greg Monroe had a nice game and they put Masai Ujiri got Greg Monroe for the minimum and put like exclamation points and I just want to be like yeah of course he did. No one was offering Greg Monroe more than the minimum, and I'll go back and edit that out. But, I mean, yeah, of course, no one was offering Greg Monroe more than the minimum. He's lucky to be in the league. At, nah, I shouldn't say that. He's He deserves to be on the league, but I, I think he's been pretty much a disaster in there, and he hasn't made offenses better whenever he's on the court for a couple years now. He, I just don't know what he brings you. He doesn't make your offense better when you look at his scoring efficiency and the way he doesn't space the floor, he's certainly a liability on defense. I just, I'm not a fan and I'd really like to get, and you know, he's a little overqualified for, for the position, but someone like a Dwayne Dedman-esque, a rim protector yeah. guy who can space the floor a little bit, someone like that I think could really help this team and, you know, even perhaps playing matchups ahead of JV when you're talking kind of the more mobile teams in the Eastern Conference. But Greg Monroe to me is just, if you know if something happens to JV or Ibaka, God forbid, during the playoffs, you're going to be hampered anyways. But Greg Monroe is basically a nail in the coffin in my mind. Yeah, he's it's it, 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 it's hard watching so much slow footedness on the team, right? And I mean, let's admit too, it's it, it's hard for the team to go small with Siakam at the five for long for long stretches, right? Because of how much rebounding they're giving up, and and I've noticed that when they've tried to do that, teams are going bigger against them too. Yeah, you know, 
it's something that I'm going to write on here, so I don't want to give the article away. But the Siakam at five minutes have, in limited time, at least been more effective than the Greg Monroe minutes, and it's something that coaches just don't do. They like I think coaches are very, very kind of slow in their way to play unconventional lineups, and it's not just Nurse. It's pretty much every coach across the board. It's similar to in the NFL how rookies don't start even though they're the clear option, you know. Tom Savage started over Deshaun Watson in his rookie year, and you can blame Bill O'Brien, but it's just what NFL coaches do. And I think in very similar way, NBA coaches just won't play small because that's the way that they've been taught the game pretty much growing up. So as much as we like to see the small ball lineups, I think NBA coaches are pretty aware of when they don't have a traditional five on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, I, think it, I think it shows that the need for – big guys and big men is still important but those big men need to be mobile and need to be able to move yeah you know it's something uh ben falk wrote wonderful piece on cleaning the glass how height gives you a bunch of advantages in ways that are hard to see and little rebounds and tips and things there but i think one thing that coaches don't do and this is just more meta opinion on basketball than a toronto raptors thing is they don't they account for the size of their centers and power forwards, but they don't account for size along the rest of the roster very much. So, yeah, I might not have a traditional five out there, but if I have Monroe, Danny Green, or I'm sorry, not Monroe, Siakam, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, they kind of gang perform the duties of a traditional center. Right, yeah, and and, and, and I think that that's, you know, I think that over the next five years you'll see a lot of, like, taller Similar size lineups, I think, yeah, is going to be yeah. what you'll see. Yeah, yeah, and and that makes sense, right? Because because I like 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 I look at a team like the Milwaukee Bucks; they're kind of pioneers in terms of running these tall lineups, right? Yeah, yeah, and you saw with Houston is if everybody's going to shoot threes, maybe we just switch everything, and that's something that Houston did all last season and a way to prepare for the Warriors. And I'm sure there'll be a counter to it where, you know, once you start switching everything, you'll get centers who are not going, who are going to punish switches. So it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Is there anything kind of that you're watching back to the Raptors a little more specifically over the next couple weeks? Yeah, I think for me, what I am watching is I'm watching um, the offensive lineups and um, the offensive execution. And, um, and, you know, I want to see. I want to see with Kawhi. I want to see him move the ball more. I want to, or sorry, with Kawhi on the floor. I want to see more ball movement and um, and more creative ways to help get Kawhi open, like you know, off cuts and and back screens to maybe help him, uh, maybe to help him find different spots and locations or gain an advantage over his defender. Um, obviously, the Kawhi Lowry chemistry. And um, the, and hopefully soon the performance of JV and what and kind of how JV, um, what JV brings back to this lineup and how the lineup sort of changed for him. What about you? I think you know it's gonna just the rotations to me is interesting. We've yeah. seen Nurse kind of struggle with finding a bench unit that works, and something that's been really successful lately is the Kyle Lowry with the bench, and I hope that Nurse continues to run that lineup consistently, and we'll see if he does. But that's something I'm looking to watch, and whether C.J. Miles gets minutes to me is interesting. He's been heating up as of late, but we have a lot of guys coming back from injury, and as we have people coming back, so that means someone's going to get plugged out of the rotation. So I just I think the rotation to me is the most interesting thing over the next week or so, and obviously a big showdown with Milwaukee, which I believe might be the final time we play Milwaukee this season. It is, yeah. Yeah, so, which is crazy. Already. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it, it sucks that we don't get those. Like, 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 like here. Like, I'll give you some of the games coming up, just so you know. Mavs, Bucks, Clippers, Sixers again, um, which I also think is the last time we played the Sixers. Um, Hawks, Knicks, Nets, Wizards, Spurs again, Magic, Celtics, and that's the next month. That's the month of February. So, so yeah. So they'll be done playing. They'll be done playing all of their Eastern Conference opponents pretty much. Um, the major ones, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so awesome. Um, last thing we do here is I want to kind of bring back our segment, Matt Explains yeah. Canada. 
So <laughs> I also I, actually before we do that, I have one. I, I need your opinion on one thing basketball related. Sure. What do you think of of this stat line? Twenty nine minutes, uh, three uh, three three point pointers made, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, and eleven points for ex Raptor Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> he he did that in an NBA game. Yeah, he did that against the Indiana Pacers uh, yesterday. Yeah, I saw that he was signed to a ten day. I didn't. I mean, <laughs> hey, two years Remember? away. Yeah, two years away. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Okay, now we can go on with that. <laughs> so I, I've been thinking about this, and you know, we're not very topical on time with this. But That's explain right. Boxing Day to me. It seems like. I, and maybe this is just the arrogant American in me, but it seems like Black Friday having the sales before Christmas makes a whole lot more sense than having it after Christmas. So, um, you know, we we are just a smaller population, right? And with a smaller population, you obviously don't get sometimes as much variety um, in retailers and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, for example, we... Um, uh, we like, like 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 there's like a billion department stores right in the states and it's it's declined over the years but there's still your Macy's still your Target still all that sort of stuff, whereas in here we maybe have like five right so the traditionally the need and and, and you know with our European heritages that have stuck right um, uh, we continue we, we we continue to think that the most important day is after Christmas because then after Christmas you have uh, a lot of money or cash from fam- uh, traditionally cash from family but in modern day gift cards and, and all that sort of stuff so um, we we just it, it's just the way it always was so like for me and, and oh and the reason why I mentioned the retailers is that the retailers could control the cost a little bit more and say we're just not going to have as good of sales before Christmas because mm, people are going to buy less competition yeah Right, right, and, and and just that people are gonna buy um, uh, stuff regardless for Christmas, so that it's under the tree, right? And then and then we can sell our overstock afterwards. Ah, so it is. It, it's a little less consumer friendly, but it's yeah. just out of necessity, kind of. Right. So 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 example for so and, and it's just kind of built into our culture that way, right? So for example, we have a uh, a little bit more of an oligopoly on telecommunications right which is why we pay the highest cell phone prices in the entire world and that's just because like that's just the way it's always been right there's always been two big competitors and that's just the way it is so for us boxing day like so for me right like boxing day was always really exciting because if there was a uh, video game for example that came out on uh, like in november um i would just wait till december 26th to get it because i could get it for half a right or 60 percent off now as we've as we've gone along and there's been such a big influx of american retailers into um canada we have um uh we've actually started having black friday sales now they're not as good as in the states but we're getting 40 percent off we're getting like video games half off for a day so um it's been really it's been very much appreciated because we now get two opportunities to have big sales, but our bigger sales are still on Boxing Day. Like, like if you wanted to buy a TV, um, the best day to go would be on Boxing Day. Uh, yeah. So similar, similar sales, just different day. Okay. Thank you, man. Yeah. Next. No problem. Yeah. Next. Uh, next time you're on, we'll discuss socialized healthcare. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that would. Yeah. 